Hello, my friends. I want to share with you what I think is the best interview, the best journalism that I've seen regarding this whole terrorist war to begin with. And you'll be astonished who's doing the interviewing and who's doing the answering. I don't want to give it away. I want you to watch it. And I think you'll agree with me. This is the best interview you've seen. Now, the trouble is it's in a foreign language and it has uh, subtitles on it. So if you don't have the video version of this, I'm afraid you're going to lose some of the oomph. So please consider going to rebelnewsplus.com, clicking subscribe, getting the video version of this podcast. I want you to see it anyways. I want you to see this bright young woman asking these amazing questions of this evil man. And I want you to behold it and see it and hear it. So go to rebelnewsplus.com. It's eight bucks a month for what we call this premium uh, show. And... um, That might not seem like a lot of dough to you, but it really adds up for us. It's how we're able to stay independent. So please consider subscribing at rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, hands down, the best reporting I've seen about the war so far. It's October 23rd, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. I think the worst reporting in the war between the Hamas terrorist group and Israel has been in the New York Times. They immediately parroted a Hamas terrorist accusation that Israel had launched a missile into a hospital, killing 500. But then over the course of the evening, they slowly walked that back. But without an editor's note or anything indicating that they pumped out a blood libel, a brutal lie against Israel, uh, the BBC was just as bad. Of course, and the Associated Press, uh, tens of millions of people saw their tweets. The Hamas lie about Israel attacking that hospital was surely seen and heard by a billion people, likely more, before the truth came out. And many of those legacy media outlets still haven't taken down their original publications with the lies. The damage done uh, was incredible. Whipping up anti-Semitism around the world, including here in Canada, was not just against the country of Israel. It was a libel against Jews everywhere. At least that's how it was taken by Israel's enemies. The gall of these news outlets, including the CBC, by the way, to claim that they are the trustworthy ones, that they should fact check other media, that citizen journalists have disinformation. They're the biggest disinformation sources in the world with consequences, too. And, of course, the stupidest leaders in the world jumped on board. Here's Justin Trudeau, who just couldn't resist stabbing Israel with a lie, weighing in as fast as he could. He was so excited about this. The uh, news coming out of, uh, of Gaza is uh, horrific and absolutely unacceptable. Um, international humanitarian and, and international law needs to be respected uh, in, in this and in all cases. There are rules around wars and it's not acceptable. Yeah, that was a lie. And even as Israel and Joe Biden and independent researchers and even Al Jazeera, the pro-terrorist TV station, showed that it was actually a Palestinian rocket that went astray that hit, Trudeau didn't correct himself. He waited days until his oafish defense minister, Bill Blair, tweeted the obvious truth that we already knew 
on a Saturday night at 10 p.m. I've heard of burying things for the media by releasing bad news on a Friday afternoon. But Saturday at 10 p.m. at night is, is something completely new to me. As if Canada's spy agencies finally cracked the code at 9.45 p.m. and rushed the news out right then. What a laugh. As if we have spies on the ground in Gaza at all or satellites in the air above it at all. As if Trudeau staff didn't just Google what Biden and the UK and the French and the Israelis and independent journalists had already figured out days earlier. I don't know who's more gross, the media party or the liberal party, but they're pretty, pretty much the same. Here's a, a terrorist Twitter site run by a terrorist group in the West Bank. There they say that uh, this Christian church was bombed by Israel and those are the wreckages. And that story was run with, again, by all the high trust media, uh, except it was another lie. Um, the building next to it was hit, but not the church. Here's a picture of it the next day. But so what, right? I mean, the media will run with a terrorist lie every time. And again, and again, and, and maybe they'll make a correction on this church bombing thing in a few days, but the lies out there, it's not taken down. By the way, when Trudeau was smearing Israel by repeating the Hamas lie, he said he wanted to get to the bottom of things, like OJ looking for the real killers. He wanted to hold the culprits accountable. That's the word he said in his tweet, accountable. Okay, so now that even his own staff are no longer pretending that they don't know who did it, um, now what? Where's the accountability? Or, or was he only angry when it was the Jews who he thought were to blame? And now that he knows it was Palestinian terrorists, he doesn't really care. He doesn't really care about accountability. Well, well we know he doesn't because Hamas and other terrorist groups launch rockets at Israel every day, actually, hundreds a day sometimes. And Trudeau never demands accountability for them, does he? Isn't that odd? Trudeau doesn't actually care about Muslim lives. He only cares about Muslim lives if a Jew can be blamed for it. I mean, prove me wrong on that. When was the last time Trudeau objected to a killing by a Muslim dictatorship, whether it was Iran or Syria or anywhere? It's only because he thought he could blame the Jews here. I'm despairing of the media coverage. Here in Canada, the CBC refuses to call Hamas terrorists, saying the word is pejorative. I suppose it is pejorative. It refers to groups that terrorize others, deliberately using violence and the threat of violence to intimidate people into making political decisions. That's a working definition of terrorism. That's what Hamas has been doing. So by forcing CBC reporters to not call Hamas terrorists, not only is the CBC taking sides, taking Hamas's side, they are engaging in disinformation or propaganda, as it used to be known. So I've told you about some of the worst media coverage, but now let me show you some of the best. And it's from the most surprising source you could imagine, Al-Arabiya, a state broadcaster created by the Saudi government. In fact, it's their counterweight to Al Jazeera. So right there, you have an interesting situation. You have an Arabic-language, state-run media company. And here's what's inter interesting. They interviewed Khaled Mashal, the head of Hamas, the terrorist group, the boss. And you can imagine he was thinking he was going to be getting a lot of high fives and congratulations and softball questions. And I think he got maybe the first and maybe the only critical interview he's ever received in his life. Um, I'm, I'm guessing he normally 
kills anyone who questions him. He doesn't have to worry about tough questions from the Western media. But let's watch this interview together from Al Arabiya. And you tell me if you have seen a Western reporter from the New York Times or the BBC or the CBC or CNN or anyone ever grill a terrorist like this. This was translated by the indispensable NGO called Memory, which basically just translates Arabic newscasts into English all the time. Let's watch it through. Take a look. عملية من هذا النوع تقوم بها حماس هذه ليست عملية عادية هذه بمثابة إعلان حرب وبالتالي البعض يقول كيف كانت حساباتكم لردود الفعل الإسرائيلية نحن نشاهد ما يحدث في قطاع غزة من مأساة إنسانية كبيرة صح عليها سكان غزة لا تمت استشارة الفصائل ولا استشارة السلطة ولا استشارة سكان غزة أنتم اتخذتم القرار وحدكم هذه اللحظة العبقرية التي استطاعت كتائب القسام أن تفاجئ بها العدو وكل استخبارات العالم هذا كان ينبغي أن يكون في إطار ضيق لكن نحن هنا لم نبتدع مقاومة جديدة نحن في جو المقاومة فحين تقوم بخطوة هو في سياق مقاومة مشروعة شعبنا طيب. اتفق عليه أنت تتحدث في نقاط مهمة تقول أن هذه مقاومة مشروعة من وجهة نظركم ولكن ما شهده العالم على شاشات التلفاز في العالم الغربي كان انتهاكات من حركة حماس ضد المدنيين الإسرائيليين حتى أن الحركة وأنت مسؤول عن صورة الحركة في الخارج أصبحت تقرا بداعش هذه تهمة طبعا افتراها نتنياهو هذا الغرب للأسف متواطئ الشعوب يا أختي العزيزة لا تتحرر بسهولة الروس قدموا 30 مليون ضحية في الحرب العالمية الثانية حتى يتحرروا من هجوم هتلر عليهم الشعب الفيتنامي قدم 3 مليون ونصف بني آدم حتى هزموا الأمريكان افغانستان هزمت الاتحاد السوفيتي اولا ثم امريكا بملايين من الشهداء الشعب الجزائري ستة ملايين شهيد عبر 130 عاما الشعب الفلسطيني مثل مثل كل شعوب ما في شعب يتحرر بدون تضحيات كيف تطالب الغرب والعالم والعالم بان يناصر القضيه الفلسطينيه وما يتصدر المشهد الان هي الممارسات التي ارتكبتها حماس باتجاه المدنيين الاسرائيليين سيد خالد انت تعلم ان هناك تعاطف كبير اكتسبته اسرائيل من هذه المشاهد هل في فكر وعقيده حماس التعامل هكذا مع المدنيين انا قلت لك يا اختي العزيزه حماس وكتائب القسام والاجهزه العسكريه تركز مقاومتها على قوات الاحتلال على الجنود لكن في كل الحروب يسقط بعض الضحايا من المدنيين لسنا مسؤولين عنهم وهل يمكن ان تعتذروا عما حدث باتجاه المدنيين الاسرائيليين خلال عمليه السابع من اكتوبر والله اسمحي لي سؤالك اسمحي لي مع الاحترام لك الاعتذار ينبغي ان يطلب من اسرائيل انت انت سالتيني سؤال انا اجيبك بوضوح م. حماس لا تتعمد قتل المدنيين تركز على الجنود نقطة أول السطر أنت قلت أن ما يقوم به حزب الله جيد ولكنه ليس على المستوى المطلوب هل يفهم من تصريحاتك هذه أن حزب الله ومحور المقاومة خذلكم حتى اللحظة فيما كنتم تتوقعون منه من ردود؟ إحنا في فلسطين نقاتل هذا موقفنا وهذا قرارنا بقية خارج فلسطين كل من يقف معنا نقول له شكراً حزب الله في لبنان الآن الجبهة اللبنانية مشتعلة وهذا يشكر عليه سواء الأداء اللبناني أو الفلسطيني من كل الأطياف وحزب الله طبعا دوره فاعل هناك ما قامت به 
هذه الاشتباكات في جنوب لبنان جيدة وأسندت القضية لكن حجم المعركة لما يكون العنوان طوفان الأقصى وهذه الجريمة النكراء على غزة لا شك المطلوب أكبر لكن لا ينبغي نركز على لبنان وعلى الحزب الله فقط تعالوا نركز على بلادنا في دول طوق هنا مصر العظيمة اللي خاضت حروب كبيرة اليوم الشارع المصري يغلي تحية للشعب المصري نريد منه المزيد أطالب القيادة المصرية أن يكون موقفه أقوى وأقوى ما هو المزيد؟ ما هو المزيد؟ هل تطالب يعني فيما يتعلق بلبنان ويعني وأنت تتابع هذا وتشاهده على وسائل التواصل الاجتماعي، الناس في لبنان تعيش وضعا سيئا، ليست في حاجة إلى حرب جديدة تكلفها المزيد من الفواتير، يقولون لك خالد مشعل يجلس في المكيف ويتحدث عن الحروب وعن الجهاد وعن الخروج وعن القصف نحن في قلب المعركة يا أختي الكريمة ما حد جالس في الميدان ولا حد برا الميدان قيادة حماس في الداخل وخارج تخوض المعركة أنتم أقدمتم على هذه الخطوة وهي العملية السابعة من أكتوبر والآن تطالبون العرب بالتدخل العرب لم يكن شركاء معكم في اتخاذ هذا القرار لا أحد في العالم العربي قال لمصر لماذا فجأتينا بحرب أكتوبر لأن أرض مصر سيناء كانت محتلة الناس ممكن تعتب على دولة عربية إذا انفردت بقرار إذا خاضت حرب هجومية ضد جار ولا ضد طرف آخر أما عندما يكون شعب تحت الاحتلال هذا حقه الطبيعي لا أحد يسألون لماذا فعلتم ورسقتم أو لم ترسقوا هل قامت إيران حتى اللحظة بما كنتم تتوقعون منها هي كانت تتحدث في مراحل سابقة عن إزالة إسرائيل وظيفتنا أن نطلب وأن نذكر أما كل واحد يتحمل قراره كيف تفكرون في التعامل مع ملف اللهائن ماذا مقابل ماذا أولا كما قلت هؤلاء أسرى وقبل أن نتحدث عن الأسرى عندنا في أسرى عند العدو كما قلت في حوالي 5500 كانوا قبل الآن 10000 إسرائيل تجمع كل يوم 100 و 200 وآلاف من الضفة الغربية م. فبالتالي باختصار القانون عندنا يعني خلص أسرى مقابل أسرى إحنا كان شليط أخذنا به ألف زيادة اليوم عندنا عشرات من الضباط والجنود وإن شاء الله سنبيض بهم السجون وكل أبنائنا وبناتنا في السجون من جميع الفصائل إن شاء الله. I wish I could figure out that reporter's name. I I went online and there were a few different female journalists on Al Arabiya, but I I want to be careful I don't guess incorrectly. But that took courage what she did, and you know that on a state broadcaster owned by the royal family of Saudi Arabia interviewing the head of Hamas in this critical time, this interview would have been absolutely scripted and approved by the top. the top of the network and whoever in the Saudi royal family oversees the network. But this was journalism and it was an expression of where the Saudis are coming from. Those were good questions. Um, and I'm saying that this is the most hopeful thing I can hang on to these days was this Saudi TV reaction. There were a few questions that were interesting there. Why would Hamas expect other Arabs to back them up in a brutal war that Hamas started that would easily affect the whole region? Isn't that an interesting question? You didn't even consult other Palestinians, she said. Well, that's the thing. Hamas is a dictatorship and a criminal terrorist organization, and they sort of do whatever they want. They're not really into the consulting business. I think he was surprised, the terrorist boss, maybe even shocked, when she asked him if he'd condemn murdering civilians. Isn't that a good question? To put that question to the head of a terrorist group? It's more than the BBC or New York Times do. It's more than Justin Trudeau or Melanie Jolie do. Several times the Al-Arabiya reporter asked Khaled Mishal of Hamas why he expects others, including other countries, to happily join in a war against Israel that Hamas started for its own purposes. 
And she also asked him why Iran hasn't weighed in to help with the war yet. My own view is that they haven't ruled it out. And of course, Iran helps with training and weapons and cash and direction. I'm actually quite worried that Iran has helped and will help more. I think they're too smart to do so directly, launching missiles from Iran. That would risk a direct counterattack from Israel or even from America. I think Iran is happy to attack Israel through proxies like Hamas. One more note, the interviewer seems appalled by the brutality of Hamas's attack, comparing Hamas to ISIS. You might recall they were notorious for their barbaric brutality. The interviewer phrases it as giving Israel a PR advantage, but even challenging the brutality for any reason is more than Western media do, isn't it? Here, let's watch it one more time. This is quite an interview. الشعوب يا أخت العزيزة لا تتحرر بسهولة الروس قدموا 30 مليون ضحية في الحرب العالمية الثانية حتى يتحرروا من هجوم هتلر عليهم الشعب الفيتنامي قدم 3 مليون ونصف بني آدم حتى هزموا الأمريكان الأفغانستان هزمت الاتحاد السوفيتي أولا ثم أمريكا بملايين من الشهداء الشعب الجزائري 6 ملايين شهيد عبر 130 عاما الشعب الفلسطيني مثله مثل كل شعوب ما في شعب يتحرر بدون تضحيات كيف تطالب الغرب والعالم والعالم بان يناصر القضيه الفلسطينيه وما يتصدر المشهد الان هي الممارسات التي ارتكبتها حماس باتجاه المدنيين الاسرائيليين سيد خالد انت تعلم ان هناك تعاطف كبير اكتسبته اسرائيل من هذه المشاهد هل في فكر وعقيده حماس التعامل هكذا مع المدنيين انا قلت لك يا اختي العزيزه حماس وكتائب القسام والأجهزة العسكرية تركز مقاومتها على قوات الاحتلال على الجنود لكن في كل الحروب يسقط بعض الضحايا من المدنيين لسنا مسؤولين عنهم وهل يمكن أن تعتذروا عما حدث باتجاه المدنيين الإسرائيليين خلال عملية السابع من أكتوبر؟ والله اسمحي لي سؤالك اسمحي لي مع الاحترام لك الاعتذار ينبغي أن يطلب من إسرائيل أنت, أنت سألتي لي سؤال أنا أجيبك بوضوح Look, that's not a lot to hang on to these dark days, but it's notable. We just got better journalism from Saudi Arabia's state broadcaster than we get from Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster, wasn't it? Stay with us for more. Here's a clip of my conversation earlier today with Avi Yamini, who's on location in Israel. these days are the winds of war gathering in Israel after the dramatic surprise attack by Hamas terrorists on southern Israel uh, two and a half weeks ago that killed 1,400 Jews and Arabs and Muslims, I should add, and took over 200 more hostage. Our chief Australian correspondent, Avi Yamini, is in Israel along with our courageous videographer, Benji. They both have bulletproof uh, vests and helmets, and we're hoping that keeps them safe. Uh, the war has not been joined fully 
by Israel yet. They've been um, waiting, and apparently Avi has the latest on that. Let's go to him now live, where it is already nighttime in Israel. Avi, nice to see you again. Thanks, Ezra. Yeah, um, so there is breaking news as we come to air tonight. Just moments ago, it's been reported that um, Hamas is going to, there's an agreement made where Hamas is about to release 50 dual citizens. I imagine, I'm guessing that that's all the dual citizens. So that's about a quarter of the known um, hostages. There's 210 that's known. There's also, keep in mind, there's one to 200 um, Israelis still missing, unconfirmed whether they're dead uh, somewhere in uh, this southern Israel on the border or within Gaza, or they're, they're also hostages. But there's at least 210 confirmed hostages, minus 50 that will be released, which explains why they haven't um, entered yet. And it makes a lot more sense to, to people here on the ground. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bizarre situation to be talking about civilian hostages in wars. Prisoners of war are captured all the time, and they're treated... Um, in certain ways, they have certain rights that are protected. Um, they're not treated as criminals, by the way. They're just detained until the hostilities are over. But it is unprecedented. In, in fact, it is not considered war to take civilian uh, casualties. That is terrorism, barbarism. The Latin term in law is humanae hostis, which means um, it, it's basically being a pirate. It's being uh, an an odious terrorist and the fact that the west is negotiating with these terrorists is so unusual but it's being treated as sort of normal isn't it i mean um this quote war between a nation and a terrorist group and you have secretary of state blinken negotiating and splitting the difference it's it's just so weird that we consider this normal i guess yeah, it is, isn't it, Ezra? And, and the fact that there's still news networks out there that will refuse to call them terrorists when they're literally still holding uh, 210, at least 210 hostages, you know, only a couple of kilometres from here. We're, we're 600 metres from the border. Um, it's really quiet at the moment. So um, that could have something to do with this latest announcement and the process of it happening. I do imagine if that is all the dual citizens um, which it makes sense it is. It's about a quarter of the, uh, the, the hostages. So if that is all the dual citizens, I, I imagine uh, we're going to see that entrance into Gaza soon after that. Uh, the, the night, Saturday night, uh, fr Friday night, sorry, the, the night that uh, was rumoured that uh, the, the, the IDF forces would enter and uh, in the 11th hour, two American citizens were, the first two American citizens were released. Um, it, it was it was intensive uh, uh, bombardment from Israel, which is what you would expect uh, prior hours prior to a, 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 any sort of entrance. So we'll be here. We'll watch this space closely, and I'll tell the viewers, anyone that does want to watch it, uh, while I'm sitting here and and waiting to see it unfold, I'm bringing people along on the on the journey so they can they can actually tune in live at thetruthaboutthewar.com. Uh, and uh, watch it unfold with us. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're there, and uh, I'm glad you're safe so far, thank God, and, of course, take steps to stay safe. I know that's a difficult thing to say in a war zone. Um, 
Something else happened today that uh, I have not uh, looked at too carefully because I don't think I have the heart for it. Um, there have been um, <clears throat> skeptics, uh, it would be a positive way of phrasing it, but there have been deniers, sort of like Holocaust deniers, who said, no, no, the Jews didn't really get massacred by Hamas terrorists. They weren't really raped and tortured. And I understand that today, uh, 200 foreign journalists were shown the most graphic and barbaric evidence. They were asked not to film it because these are children and women and some men who are, you know, uh, who are part of families and who it's a spectacular and horrific news story that ought to be told. But how do you tell that when there's a mother and father crying? So I understand that 200 journalists were shown the most shocking proof firsthand. And um, <clears throat> I've seen some reports from journalists who were in there um, that, it, that it was just, you know, I'm sure they'll get post-traumatic stress from what they saw. Uh, do you have any news mm. on that? Or did you, did you follow yeah, that online? We, well, we were invited to that and I chose specifically not to go because I, I could see how many journalists were going to it. And, uh, and, and because I knew that after the fact, some of these videos will be released anyways. Um, I just, you've got to choose on the ground. Yeah. You've got to choose where you're going to be, especially when you're one team. Uh, we're choosing to be here, which uh, interestingly to note for you is this, unlike the, um, the, the space that we were, the point, um, uh, the vantage point that we were a few nights ago where we were uh, under a lot of fire, 50 rockets directed at us. And, and to keep in mind that in this area, the Iron Dome has actually been switched off. Um, that is to save money because it has been evacu evacuated. Uh, 30,000 people have been evacuated from this town alone. And similar, there's hundreds of thousands displaced Israelis at the moment living in camp tents as well as in hotels in, in uh, across Israel, especially Alat, but also Ramat Gan. Um, so they've turned off the Iron Dome here so that uh, because each, each rocket costs them $60,000 US to to basically um, to, within that um, system. So um, uh, when we were in that spot, there was a lot of rocket fire in our direction. And when we were running backwards and forwards to the, uh, to the protection, to the bunker. Um, but in this spot here is where the media, it's a good vantage point over Gaza. So all that there is Gaza, right? But the media kind of comes here in the day. Um, they get their uh, piece to cameras or they pre-record and pretty much uh, well, definitely last night we were the only ones left at the moment. There's a couple of into there's about two other international crews still here. It's only early. It's about eight pm. The it usually gets quite lively from about now. So it is, it is, um, it is interesting to note that it is particularly quiet, which I'd I'd speculate has to do with uh, the transfer of those fifty hostages, which would be a logistical operation because i'm sure they're not keeping the 50 in one space and we know about the tunnels that are underneath there so uh i i imagine the next 24 hours is going to be particularly interesting once they are released and then whether the israeli defense forces are going to move straight in uh i i find it hard to believe that they're going to wait any more time to negotiate about the rest of them because uh, I dare say, even if they do manage to get the rest of them, Israel promises their civilians, uh, promises the world, has to show their enemies that this is this can't happen again. So they need to win this war for so many reasons. They need to dismantle Hamas 
for several reasons. So I don't imagine Hamas releasing any Israeli um, soldiers. I can't imagine the horrors they're going through right now, men, women, children, babies in there. I know that um, the, the socialist left and the jihadis that are, are marching in their hundreds of thousands around the world are not talking about that. Um, they're only showing the devastation that is in response to the fact that there are still hostages, to the fact that they were it's on the streets here, um, terrorists two weeks ago went house to house looking for Jews to butcher, maim, rape and kidnap. Um, but uh, so I would encourage all the viewers, to, you know, if, if this story does matter to you and it should matter to you, uh, the truth about the war.com, you can follow the latest. And, and we're also, we started last night, these live feeds um, where it's very casual. We're just, you're watching it with me and I'm talking to people in the comments, uh, including some trolls, but uh, we've got uh, tonight, we're, we're a little bit more prepared mm-hmm. um, because you know, Ezra, it's, you know, I noticed through this, there is a lot of hate in this conversation and it, and we are outnumbered. We are outnumbered. We've got the mainstream media, um, you know, publishing stories uh, based on the word of terrorists, um, publish them as fact, feeding the army of, you know, j- just look at the Muslim world, most of the Muslim world, not all today, but most of the Muslim world, take these opportunities to show their true colors and hate on the Jews. Um, and then on top of that, their, their unholy alliance with the socialist left who also hate the Jewish state for their own reasons and Jews for their own reasons. Um, so you, you can feel it. I, you know, I'm feeling it. My family's feeling it. Everybody's feeling the kind of hate, even the fact that we're doing this, but it's important for people to keep talking about it. And it's important that even in the face of all that hate, to stand up and, and, and stand for what is right, it's uncomfortable. Even as somebody who, who has family here, who has served here, um, you know, I, I, I can understand. I've seen so many in the political space who have backed, you know, walked back their support because they're, they're, they're feeling that, that barrage of hate. Um, but then I want to, you know, I, I want to commend those also that are that are brave enough to withstand it. And I, 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 I know that for me, maybe it's easier because, you know, I have I have to care. We're talking about my my family's own existence. But um, for those that don't have a dog in the race, uh, and and I think everyone should care because the fact is, if, even if you think you don't have a dog in the race, the fact is, as we've seen around the world, they're coming to a city near you, and they come for the Jews first. And then they'll come for each and every one of us in Canada and Australia and the U.S. next. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, Avi, thank you for the update there. And uh, thanks for doing journalism around the clock. And I appreciate you being there on behalf of our viewers because we simply can't trust the mainstream media. I think the hospital story from last week proves that where Hamas announced that a a hospital was destroyed by an Israeli missile. They said 500 were dead. None of those facts were true. The hospital was not destroyed. It wasn't hit at all. There were not 500 dead. It was not an Israeli missile. Apparently, it was a missile from Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and there was a fire in a parking lot. Um, Mm. So... uh, from the BBC to the New York Times on down, every journalist ran with that story. And then politicians ran with that story, including Justin Trudeau, who then took half a week to, to quote, look into it. And uh, but by that point in time, the lie had spread around the world. And there's and absolutely it's fed, no... it's fed this hate. Yeah. yeah. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that a billion people in the world believe that lie 
because the mainstream media propagated it. Well, Avi, thanks very much. And folks, you can keep an eye on what Avi's doing at thetruthaboutthewar.com. And if you feel moved to do so, please chip in to help cover the cost of his journey, including uh, his personal protection that he's wearing there. Thanks, Avi. back your letters to me 441 rider says if israel was serious they would strike doha like u.s did to the taliban hiding osama bin laden right Qatar would maybe like iran gone too um listen i i think you're right that that the answer here is to take out the the boss uh the bosses who are living in the four seasons in doha Qatar. um i have this terrible theory that the aircraft carriers are there to deter other powers, but they're also there to make sure Israel doesn't do anything like that itself. Mike Maverick says, Ukraine gives significant kickbacks to politicians. Israel doesn't. Why is Trudeau so adamant about giving more money to Ukraine? This is about a transfer of wealth from Canadian and U.S. to political elites. Um, I think it was Joe Biden who called for $60 billion more for Ukraine in his speech after visiting Israel, which I think is really weird. Trudeau says he's given $9 billion to the Ukrainian army, um, whereas Canada's army is tens of thousands of recruits short of its basic requirements. I, I think today, by the way, Elon Musk and other public intellectuals, I would call Elon Musk one of those, um, talked about the possibility of a ceasefire being a way to save lives and to be in, you know, a, a plus for humanity. And I know that the White House has said no ceasefire ever. No, no, no. That will lock in Putin's gains. I mean, remember this from the White House national security spokesman saying never a ceasefire? If coming out of this meeting, there's some sort of call for a ceasefire, well, that's just going to be unacceptable because all that's going to do, Mike, is ratify Russia's conquest to date. All that's going to do is give Mr. Putin more time to refit, retrain, reman, uh, and try to uh, to, to plan for, for renewed off offensives at a time of his choosing. How opposite that is from the same White House demanding that Israel ceasefire immediately, which would be like telling America the day after Pearl Harbor to have a ceasefire or tell telling America the day after 9-11 to have a ceasefire. Why is Ukraine barred from a, a ceasefire, which it may well need, having lost close to a half a million souls, whereas Israel is not allowed to seek vengeance on a terrorist group? Here's a letter about Tamara Leach. Richie's rant says, it's insane to think that the cost to defend yourself from government political per persecution is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Few people could afford to defend themselves. That is why our corrupt government gets away with so much atrocity against the Canadian people. You're exactly right. As you know, Rebel News has helped crowdfund through the Democracy Fund for Tamara Leach. And I'm not sure if I've publicly disclosed, I don't think I have, the cost of the lawyer. It's obviously uh, well into the six figures. Um, and I don't think that would surprise any viewer who's had dealings with lawyers. I mean, the lawyer, Lawrence Greenspan, is excellent. He has two junior lawyers with him. Not only has the trial been going on for well over a month and will continue to go on, but of course, there's months of preparation. Um, the process is the punishment. And no person of ordinary means could possibly muster. That's a lifetime saving. And no person of no millionaire would do it either because a millionaire would say, oh, fine, I'll just plead guilty to make it go away. Like a like a millionaire would want to stay a millionaire. They wouldn't want to give all their money off to a lawyer. 
So that's that's one of the situations where crowdfunding really makes a difference. But yes, it's absolutely unjust. And the contrast between prosecuting and persecuting Tamara Leach for her peaceful protest in favor of civil liberties versus these terrorist flags that we see at these hate rallies, it's just astonishing. Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.